All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us once again for another installment of the Lessons from David series. We're on lesson 13 tonight, lesson 13. And it's entitled two words, a snare, a snare. Right. Now, I'm going to add my own subtitle to this, this title tonight. Question is, are we man pleasers or people pleasers? Are we man pleasers or people pleasers? Or are, we, or are we God pleasers? Man, pe are we God pleasers oh. or people pleasers? Or man pleasers. Uh -huh. Right. So man pleasers and people pleasers being the same thing. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's start with Proverbs <laughs> chapter 29. Proverbs 29. And we're going to look at verse 25. Proverbs 29. In 25. I'm going to read this in the King James and in the in the New Lives translation. In the King James, it reads like this. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. New Living Translation says, fearing people is a dangerous trap. But trusting the Lord means safety. Now, fearing people is a dangerous trap. Let's talk about that, that first line. Now, how have we seen both in the biblical text and just maybe in our, our personal experiences, how fearing people can be a dangerous trap, how, how it can can become a snare. I have a little twist on that in the sense of when we say like the fear of the Lord, but like fear in the sense of reverencing. If you reverence your uh, you know pastor that doesn't believe in healing, that's a little twist on you ain't gonna get healed. You know, so that's a little bit of a twist on fearing. And the sense of respecting that person over the word of God. Well, that's what my pastor says. So maybe that. Well, wouldn't that be thing. wouldn't that be another manifestation of what the scripture just talks about? Fear of man. That's what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't think because when I heard the word fear, I'm like, because you know, they say fear God, but oh, we don't, you know, we don't really we're not afraid of God, but like reverence, so I thought. Yeah. Well, fearing <clears throat> disagreeing with your pastor who doesn't believe in the, who thinks speaking in tongues is of the devil. <laughs> okay. Well, I think one of the examples, too, and that's in the scriptures, we're trying to do real, I mean, you know, present ones, but look where it got King Salah, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> we've been talking about, so. Right. <laughs> right. Because King Saul is a classic example of how his fear of the people pushed him to a place of compromise, to a place where he would 
go against what God said because of that pressure of the people. Now, in this in the study guide, Andrew highlights something that that you can kind of miss if you don't pay attention to it. If you if you're not, so let's go back to First Samuel fifteen. First Samuel fifteen, and what I'll do. We'll start at we'll start verse at verse ten. All right. First Samuel fifteen, starting at verse ten, it says, "The Lord said unto Samuel in the New Living Translation, I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command." Samuel was deeply moved when he heard this, that he was so deeply moved that when he heard this, that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself, and then he went to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I've carried out the Lord's command. Now, we talked about this before, how Saul put it out there like he had completely carried out the Lord's command. Right? He, he greeted Psalm with Samuel like this. Verse 14. Then what is all the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowly cattle I hear? Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats and cattle, Saul admitted. But they are going to they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, "Stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night." What did he tell you? Saul asked. Samuel told him, "Although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel?" The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? This is verse 20 of Saul's response here. But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but, but, I but I destroyed everyone else. All right, pause. Now you see how Saul is responding, right? He's, he's not coming to the place where he see, he's seeing or admitting that he did not completely obey God's command here. There was some some reservation, some provision he kept for himself, for the people. 21 says, then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Now. Did the Lord say. Preserve the best. To sacrifice to me. No. Mm -hmm. He said destroy all. Everything. Destroy it all. 
That was the command. Creature. Right. All right. You know what's interesting? He could have asked questions, right? That's what we were kept talking about. That's if where he, the relationship if he, comes from. If he, if Saul was wondering, then ask God again. Like, remember, we was like, yeah, keep asking questions. Like nobody said you can't ask a million questions. Yeah. So why didn't if David he was unsure? Well, what was that again? You know, but he he kind of just like, you know. Yeah. But he could have if he was unsure. True, you're right. I it's don't think he was unsure. He just didn't want to do it. I think it's an maybe it's an yeah. excuse. Oh well, I just thought something different. <laughs> well, maybe you should ask God before you decide to do right that. Yeah. It's just like in my brain. Ask a million questions, you know, before you right. Keep asking questions. It sounds like it's a, it's one of those, that proverb, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Because it sounds like Saul really believes that he did what God asked. Yes. So he's leaning to his own understanding. Yep. But the rest of that scripture tells you what he you know, what to do in that case is like, I really understand it this way, but, you know, you go back to God, you know, and say, okay, what is this? You know, and he'll tell you that's not right. Mm -hmm. That's good. I, I agree with Kevin, but I don't, I'm 20, very 24. Don't say that he didn't, you know, in some cases that's true, you know, what Kevin said, but when I read verse 24, I'm not sure if that was, Saul's case, you know. I don't know if you oh, just, I don't it sounds like maybe Samuel convinced him at that point, I'm thinking. Okay. But up to then, it seems like he didn't. Maybe. That's just maybe. Okay. All right, it's good. Now, now, looking at verse 21, right? Now, verse 22 says, and I'm still in the New Living Translation, but Samuel, Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Okay, now this is Samuel's reply to Saul. Now we're going to be transitioning right into verse 24. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, Yes, I've sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command, for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. Now you see that this goes back. This is an illustration of my original point. When we read Proverbs 29, how the fear of man is a snare. It pushed him to compromise because he said it right here. For I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. Yeah, so I'm saying he is not that he didn't know. He was just afraid of the people. Yeah. Okay. I see Eric now. Yeah. yeah. Not that he didn't know what the command was. He was just, okay. He was, as you go right to your, your title, I was 
being a people pleaser versus just doing what I knew what was right. Mm-hmm. In the, in the Amplified, it said Amplified Classic. It says, and Samuel said to and Saul said to Samuel, I've sinned. I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I fear the people and obey their voice. So it goes back to honoring the people, putting their opinion above God's word. So Now, just bringing it back to, you know, just day to day, how we're living this life out. How many times have we, or just in the culture in general, we we can speak specifically or in generalities as believers. How many times have we been pressured or pushed to compromise certain things that we stand for? Yeah, I mean, in, in today's culture, you know, I guess I say more now than ever, you know, to to stand on God's word, you know, you can lose your job. I mean, um, you can get pushed out of positions um, if you on TV or, you know, we got cancel culture. <clears throat> So, you know, that's that fear. And then, of course, you know, from a, if you're looking from, if this is my source of income, I got to take care of myself, take care of my family. So if I really stand, mm-hmm. then, you know, it's going to affect, you know, me monetarily, relationships, um, you know. So it is that fear. That's That fear is real, you know. But this is where we got to really... Uh, you know, stand the word of God. Know that um, trust in His. He gonna take care of you. He's providing. So, but yeah, it's 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 pretty huge. It's it's pretty huge. So the the question is whether we're conforming to the kingdom or the culture, and the culture is continuously trying to get us to conform mm-hmm. to mold their perception of what we're supposed to be versus what God called us to be, what God calls us. Right. I think that shows I'm sorry. I think it shows up in like the church realm too sometime and not the real church realm like the body of Christ, but like the religious setup too, because sometimes I think that temptation can be there too to be like, well, we've made these religious rules and the church itself says to do this, not that we shouldn't honor our leadership and you know, there's a way of standing up for what gospel truly says and not, you know, like rebelling or doing something crazy in the church setting, but, you know, like loving, you know, just there's different things. You know, you know what God's word really says in your heart, but like the church she set up might say, well, you should do it this way. I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking, you know, off the bat, that's that's a way of kind of being a man pleaser, people pleaser instead of a God pleaser. Mm-hmm. too. And it goes back to what Sue was talking about earlier about, you know, you you can have a leader that can be totally off base, unbiblical. Yeah. And but they're in on a position. So it's kind of like, okay, now I honor 
the position. I love the person. But if there's something, if I'm getting pricked by the Holy Spirit, you know, that I, I just I can't see this in the word, then there, there's something that has to be done to respond to that check. Now, how how God leads you to respond, then that's going to be, you know, specific to the situation. Right. Because now that don't mean that that. You have the right to stand up in the middle of service and say, you wrong. Yeah, that's not, yeah, that's not. You absolutely wrong. Because number one, because in, in that point, you are bringing discord in the midst of people. And that and that's and that's worse. Than, you know, him being off base in, in, in a particular doctrine or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what I was saying. I mean, I know, whatever the situation, you know. Like you said, there's a way to do it because I know it's a situation in my life where I had to do that, and but it was done in private. It was in you know in his office, and I was like, okay, I have an issue with this, you know, and of course the conversation didn't go well, but I mean, but right, it was in private, you know, yeah, it was in private, and then but nobody knew it was between me and him. Yeah, and it's like okay, well, you know, we, we we agree to disagree. At the end of it, we agree to disagree, and you know, when I went my separate way, I left that ministry. And, but the thing is, once again, it wasn't like he said, "Oh, you know." Even after that, you know, I didn't. You didn't make go, a spectacle. Yeah, I didn't everything. see everybody that knew. I knew yeah. in church and said, well, "This is what him. he did." Don't, yeah. don't listen. Yeah, no, I just that. like you know when yeah. people people that when I thought I met people who still born, they was like, why you leave? I said, well, you know, it was just time. For, my thing is, it was just time for me to go. Yeah. I never talked about what the issue was. Between me and him. In that because like you said, I still suspect the position. I'm not going to try to poison the people that God had put under him yeah. to leave now. because <laughs> it's true. It's right. It just, it hey, you know, eyes. it was just, okay, Gosh. you know, this wasn't, this between me and him. Yeah. That's what stay. Yeah, we've mom and I've been in this position before too. And um, of course, at the time, we didn't know. That's where Andrew Womack and God using him set us free on a lot of things, including that, that we could have been our past. It as Eric, you know, she did just like quietly went and said, well, this isn't right. We can't do this, you know. But, you know, it's good to learn. You know, live and learn. But yeah, people find out. Yeah, and I see that, you know, this past the day, we. We friends, it'd be good. I mean, conversation is good. Yep. But I'm saying it wasn't like, you know, just I was trying to embarrass him or oh. it wasn't because like I said, that's not the way yeah, you cool. we don't of, do of stuff the, that way. Yeah. You know, it's it's we gonna have disagreements. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like in your 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 natural family, you have disagreements. Yeah. You know, yeah. but they're still your family at the end of the day. Yeah, right. That's true. I think that's the part we forget. We still family. Right. Yep, I mean, right. just that, that that man can preach for two hours against the 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 validity of tongues and call it demonic and all this type of stuff. But but if he believes that Jesus died for his sin, right, and has confessed that, he's still in family. He just needs more revelations of truth, right. not ours. See, this is the biggest thing. I'm I'm really keen on myself. Is I don't want him to know my truth. I want him to know right. God's truth. truth. I'm not going. I want him to know what I believe. No, I want him to know what he believes, but he wants him to know the truth. His truth, my truth don't matter. I mean, it could be right, but I still want it to be my truth. I want to be 
History. History. That's good. But even Corinthians, I was reading, you know, this week, I read for but it says Paul was saying, he was talking how Paul was dealing with how when you know one believer, you know, have more knowledge of the truth than this one. You know, like for example, you know, I think he was dealing with them eating um, you know, meat that's been sacrificed to idols. Yeah, and he was yeah. saying, you know, yeah, you may know, but he one thing he said, he said, yeah, knowledge will puff you up. Yeah, and so sometimes we gotta be very careful. Okay, yeah, I may know more than you, but that won't put me on no higher plane. You and so we gotta be very careful. You know, we know more. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't want to be my truth. Right, put ourselves in the palace like to look down on them. But he said, hey, you know, but then he talked about how love is main thing. That we need to focus right, on. Is you can know all these things and still not have love. And what does it profit you? Right. Nothing. Right. It really hurts you. If you have knowledge without love, yeah. It's just it, it turns into self self-conceit and pride. Yeah. And it's and that's that's it's putting you in a position where you are you are in opposition to God's grace because of the pride. Now let's keep reading verse 25. And we gonna I want us to look at something back back on verse at verse 30. All right, so we're gonna read down to verse 30. It says, But now please forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. 26. But Samuel replied, I will not go back with you. Since you you've rejected the Lord's command, he has rejected you as king of Israel. As Samuel turned to go, Saul tried to hold him back and tore the hem of his robe. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to someone else, one who is better than you. And he who is the glory of Israel will not lie, nor will he change his mind, for he is not human that he should change his mind. Verse 30. Then Saul pleaded again. I know I've sinned, but please at least honor me by before the elders of my people and before Israel by coming back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. Look at that part. You, you, did you did you, did you catch that? You think about himself. But please at least honor me before the elders of my people. So he'll look down. Yeah, he don't want to look down, man. He don't want to look, yeah, crazy in front of Jesus. Yeah, he don't want to look down. No, but I don't want, I don't want to put no problem. And, and before Israel, by coming back with me, so that I may worship the Lord your God. Now, if you would have just, if you would, go ahead. I was just going to say it's the Lord your God now as well. It's not even his own, it's not, not even claiming the Lord to be his. Right. I didn't catch the right verse. Mm. The other, yeah. Yeah. Because just imagine if you were Saul and you heard Samuel say that. Now, if there was any type of relationship between, you know, you and the Lord, that, that's going to prick you. That's going to hurt you. That's going to be on the forefront of your mind. Like, oh, my Lord. Yeah, okay, well, what is else. Right. So that's going to be your chief concern. But you see here, verse in, in verse 30, his mind is still is focused on his image 
in front of the people. But in, in verse 31 it says, so Samuel finally agreed and went back with him and Saul worshiped the Lord. Now, that kind of speaks to how people can put on a show of worship in front of other people, right? And people that have been in church for a while, they know they they know what it is. Where you know it's like this theatrical thing, where the person is just making it making it known how deeply they worship, making making everybody they have to be in a position where they're seen, right? They have to have the image of a worshiper, and. When I'm reading this, it, it reminds me of when Jesus was talking about the scribes and Pharisees, how they love the chiefs, the chief seats, those positions of, of, of honor, right? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's like this, the, the desire to be in front of people, to be seen, to be in leadership. Now, how many of you have, you know, been in church for a while and have interacted with people who had this strong desire to be in leadership? But when you interact with them, you don't, there's no, like, you don't feel nothing. There's no love there. It's all about performance. Putting on the show, the, show. the presentation, right? A show. I had a um, dance leader at one of the churches, and she, um, we had like a dance workshop one time. She gave devotions, and she was talking about. She goes, she was a dancer, which usually you know they're, you know, grabbed it. She was like, um, they were animated with her worship, and she had one of her friends there who knew about that. She was doing um, sound for us and stuff that day, and she goes. Um, she goes, she was sitting there giving the devotion of the dancer, you know, having the dance. And she was like, she goes, she had had judgmental thoughts before because she would think, she would look at some of the congregation, you know, like, I'm dancing, what are they doing? They're just standing there, you know. And God showed her, and she had shared it with us. She goes, she looked at her friend in the back, and her friend was like, oh, offended, but she knew, you know, it disgusted ahead. She goes, I look at Susan, her friend, she goes, and I go, oh, she used to stand there, you know, kind of clap her hands a little bit, her dancing, and God showed her, it's like, she is really thinking about me right now. She's worshiping me. And she goes, you know, God was showing her. It's like, yeah, you know, you're worshiping, but you could be thinking about going out to lunch after. You know, <laughs> like, it's not about that. It's about the heart, you know. And she shared that with us. That was cool. You know? and yeah, you go there, go it was always inspiring, right. you know, to think about that. that you know? some of that buffet. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I've done it before. Uh -huh. You think about that, you know, that Chinese place you're going to hit after uh, the service today. <laughs> Like, oh <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, your mind ain't all the way there, <laughs> right? But that's the thing, you can't, you know, it's, it's being eye pleasers, right? And being being focused on what you see with your physical eyes, it can mislead you so fast. But this is why, and what did what the scripture say? Man looks at the outward appearance, we look at that, but God looks at the heart, right? And this is why we see David 
being the man after God's own heart. Because again, we talked about it several times throughout this series, how David is just, he's fellowshipping with the Lord. He's talking to God out there in the sheep, out there with the sheep, the goats and all that, doing all this, 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 this obscure stuff. But he's interacting, fellowshipping with the Lord, right? He had a real relationship with him. Where Saul was, you know, he was chosen as, you know, and he, he looked the part, but he won't it. Now, let's go somewhere else. Let's go to Luke 15. Luke 15. <coughs> Now we're gonna read the oh. all right, now we're gonna read the, the parable of the, the lost son prodigal, but I want us to look at something. Something here, okay. Now are we gonna be God pleasers or man pleasers? And to be a man pleaser doesn't doesn't always it's not just to be looking to please other people, but to please yourself too. All right, starting at verse eleven in the New Living Translation says, "To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story: A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, "I want my share of your estate now, before you die.'" So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food to, enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Now, you see the difference in his disposition in verses 19, verses, verse, verses 12 and 13. What happened to him? Arrogancy. And just, you know, it's me, me, me. To now it's... Um, the bride is gone. Okay. All right. Anything else we can see? Repentance. Mm -hmm. he's, no he's no longer where he first started focus on himself. Mm -hmm. you, know? you know, I want this is what I want. But then yeah, now he began to look and see, okay, it's not about me. 
Okay. Anymore. That's good. Okay. I'm looking at that last part. It says, he moved to a distant land and wasted all his money in wild living. So, obviously, there was an influence that told him, that drew him to want to get out there and just sow his wild oats to live it up. Believing that that is the good life. So again, we're talking about being a God pleaser or a man pleaser, right? Who we going to listen to? Who has influence on our heart? Because the world can speak real loud. And I think more of us deal with this temptation on different levels than we could realize. Where the world is saying one thing and it sounds good. But God's word is saying something else. And we're tempted. We're, we're, we're wondering, okay, is it really, does it really take all that? Or is the world kind of being, you know, is there some truth in this? So obviously he was drawn out. Something about that distant land. So he went out there. And he blew all his money. And then the famine hit. And then he got to a place where look, he's looking at the animals. The pigs are eating better than him. They're eating. He's starving. So he faced the reality of being Free or not free, not being under his father's care in that moment. Because remember, he was when he's with his father in his father's house. Don't you think his needs were taken care of? But some told him it was better outside. Yeah. It was better out there. Yeah, my thing is, when I was uh, you were talking, I was thinking. I think the question that came to my mind says, "We have, how do we define what a God please is and a man please? Hmm. How do we define it? How do we look at?" And then I was kind of, and I think we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to. Show us that way. Because Julie's journey could be different from mine. You know, what God called her to do. Because sometimes we like, okay, well, if Julie's not doing it like me, then she's not pleasing God. Mm-hmm. That happens. Like, that. like the cookie cutter thing. We're right. Talking about. I mean, right. Cookie well, cutter. God worked with me this and way. And so, therefore, so you know, she can be in the will of God. You know, her, her calling is different from mine. And, you know, I may not fully understand it, but you know, as long as she's in the word, you know, then okay. But I'm saying it's a lot of times when we think, okay, based on sometimes based on what denomination you came up under. That's true too. Yeah. Um, right. It may say, hey, you know, she she's not pleasing God. It's not, you know, so 
that's what we have to you know, rely on the Holy Spirit to, to teach us. And, you know, be able to say, okay, you know what? She's not doing acting, but you know what? I look at her, or if I get to know her, see her walk, and she explained to me what God's going I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, because like you said, from the out period, I'd be like, but what is she doing? I ain't, never, I ain't never seen nobody do that before. Yeah. You know, she can be, you know, sometimes God may need to do something that you know, nobody never seen before. So you be sometimes we could be very condemned or critical when we don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like where some of these ministries where that'll go to, you know, um strip clubs and places like this where women will go and then like just and, and then minister to the women there. Right. And it's like now on the outside looking in, how that look? Right. You know, these women going in these clubs. I'm like, what y'all, y'all, y'all trying to learn some tips? Y'all trying to get some money out of these women or something? What's going on? What y'all in there for? You ain't supposed to be in there. But you don't know what God told them people to do. Right. I don't have a right to judge that. I don't know. If you have known their whole life, they may have came from that years before. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're drawn back because they know exactly how they are dealing with stuff. Right. And usually God, a lot of times God will draw you back to something that you're familiar with so you really can. How can you tell me not to do drugs? You've never touched them. I, I conduct people about drugs. I've never taken a drug in my life. Mm-hmm. The prescriptions. Right. Yeah, stuff. but you you talk, you talk you take somebody that's been, that, that, that's been delivered from heroin cocaine mm-hmm. then they can't they they don't have their argument is gone yep. he was like bro i used to do xyz i did the same thing on xyz avenue so automatically there's a level of of respect that comes with that because the person's like oh, okay they not just some you know want to be church person no, that's that's trying like, to just trying to bull jive me yeah you go like you go to church and all that stuff. How do you know? It's like, mm-hmm. um, I was delivered of, like you said, heroin or whatever it is. Like, mm-hmm. really? Yes, blah, 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 years ago. I right. know it yet, man. Or yeah. even these ladies, like you said, these same people send on it. Like, like you said, you're picking up some tips. No, I'm trying to minister to ladies who are hurting. Who have, they have what is it? Pastor Dean Melton saying yeah, we to Andrew about and about him. Him. He said, and Andrew talked about he's like, so they're going to think you're, people are going to think you're, he's he's like, so they're, they're, they're my children. I don't care. He's, I'm going to give them, I'm going to, I'm going to bless them. He's real big on money anyway, like, you know, financial stuff. So, you know, yeah, yeah. You okay? Yeah. Okay. 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 There's just certain things like, okay, the words say don't do that. So, so if you're doing that, okay. Yeah. You definitely ain't thinking God. That's true. You're doing that. You know, it's just, it tells it you do not. Boundary lines <laughs> there. there. But, you know, cool, like said, other <laughs> things when people, you know, you have, to, you have to say, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to lead them in that. So. Okay, so basically you telling me that a, a man can't have a concubine ministry? Oh, no, we can't have <laughs> Everything with the word of God. Solomon, he had concubine, right? Yeah. I don't know, somebody would say nah, that. Ain't gonna, they ain't going to start nothing now. They ain't going to start nothing. I ain't going there. Just look what happened. He was white. He was Christian. Mm-hmm. He 
persuaded. But it was the Old Testament, though, for sure, because in the yeah. New Testament, it's, you know, especially in leadership. And a husband of one wife. wife. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so leader. it's clear. He gave him, he you know, wives to David. Yeah. So he didn't, that's not what his ultimate goal was. Like Just at the beginning, did he, did he make um, Adam and yeah, Eve he didn't, he didn't do that. and June and Jane and Susan? Let's <laughs> put <laughs> your name. Let's put you in there. No, he made Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. Oh, he to Adam, one, one, one woman. One yeah, woman. I don't I don't think God was thrilled with multiple wives. No. Saying, no, that's going to work out real well. No, that is just we had multiple All right, so Luke fifteen, right? So we 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 see we see how the this the younger son's perspective changed. You know, after you know he came to himself, so he won't worry about. Other people's perceptions. At that point, he won't worry about what he looked like. Other people. He's just trying to get back to his father's house. And the thing about it is, this is how this is the picture of what it looks like when when we come back to our father's house. So, verse twenty. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Mm. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. There was no fate there. Mm-hmm. So, he was trying to please nobody. And he was lowering himself to the very bottom. I don't care. Just please forgive me. At least take me back into your, at least on the land. I know I'll be at least safe here. Mm-hmm. And I'll do anything. I'm willing to do it. Very humble. You know what I think? Came to the end of I, If I may just interject this, I think it's when, you know, think about him wanting to get back to his father so bad. Is I think when relationship with his father meant more than anything again, and you know all the all the rest of it just kind of fell in line. He didn't care; he just wanted to be back with his dad. And then, of course, his dad—you know—the natural byproduct was he brought the robe and all the stuff, and he was able to be, you know, clothed again and not hungry and all the joke that happened to him. Mm-hmm. And that made you know, have it. I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> Now we think about that. Now let's go to Psalm 51 now. And we're going to start at verse 1. Starting at verse one and focusing on verse four, it says, "Have mercy on me, on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. 
against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. So you see how he says, against you and you alone have I sinned. So his, his, his focus is on how his actions breached the relationship between him and the Lord. It won't about everybody else, what they say or what they do or whatever. Mm -hmm. It ain't about all that. Mm -hmm. It's about his relationship with the Father. Now can I question it now? So that so Dave didn't have to apologize to Bathsheba Ooh. for, you know, putting her husband harm's way. Oh. I see. What he just now he fast yeah no now he he that's what I was I was thinking that what again because remember the scripture says he says um, I'm gonna read it it says against you and you alone have I sinned and then it's even recite that and I asked the question was so David didn't have to apologize to Bathsheba for putting her oh, her husband yeah. in harm's way so because the scripture he says that yeah. you you alone I don't understand that hmm. Uriah's parents thought about that too. Yeah. Okay. Well, how do we digest this? How do we interpret this verse now? I would think this. I was just throwing it out there right away. I was I kind of got to think, I was trying to get to the passage, but most of us know this anyway. You know, where Zacchaeus and um gosh, I thought it was the Luke 19. Anyway, um Zacchaeus, um, Jesus went to his house and, you know, Zacchaeus, when he had Jesus hang out with him and stuff, you know, he goes like, everything I owe to people, I'll do this and do that and mm -hmm. do this and pay back. Whatever he said, he was going to like restore with people. And I go, I kind of feel like that's a byproduct. Like if you make it right with God or, you know, repent, you're going to want, when you have God's heart revealed to you, you're going to want to go and go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's just, you know. Yeah, I don't think the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though it's not recorded, you know, I believe David probably did. Because if he's a man after God's own heart, mm -hmm. though it's, it's not written, I'm like, you, if you, if you, you know, you love God, I think that's going to lead you to eventually do that. You're not just going to say, okay, well, I know, God, I'm sorry, and then just disregard um, the person that you hurt. You know, I think, like you said, I think it will eventually lead to that. Yeah. You know, in this in this scripture, it just pops out as, well, okay, he says, you know, you, against you, you don't have our sin done even in your sight. You know, we can probably interpret that. It's like, okay, well, yeah. I ain't got to go apologize. You know, yeah. if you can. And I don't think it's saying that, but it could, I can see how it can be interpreted that way. Yeah, and I used to even think with Zacchaeus, like with that story, just as a sign, I used to think that, oh, he did all that, you know, the, was it Christian dyslexia, or as, as Andrew calls it, you know, I used to think, oh, he did it, then Jesus forgave him, I'm like, the way it was, you know, Jesus was like, it's like, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come eat lunch with you today, and, you know, this guy was like an outcast, you know, amongst, you know, Jews, you know, they were considered tax collectors, like, you know, for this guy, you know, for Jesus to be so loving to him to come and hang in his place, and everybody was murmuring. And then, you know, Zacchaeus was just like, I was reading, it was like, he stood and goes, Oh, Lord, 
half of my goods I give to the poor. I've taken any, you know, man falsely. I'll restore him and all this. And then Jesus goes, you know, salvation has came to this house. I really believe he was just saying, it's like he made, and he went to Jesus first. And at that, it was like, Jesus, I, oh my gosh, you've loved me basically. That's the way you're probably doing it. I, I, I've changed. I'm going to do this. And, you know, and then he probably, I'm sure he went to all those people and, you know, repent for it, you know. That's good. And it's, go oh, ahead. no, go ahead, Kevin. I was just saying, going along with what Julie said, it's like true repentance is going to bring forth fruit, yeah. Uh, yeah. obvious fruit to that, to the heart of that repentance. And it reminds me of when uh, scribes and Pharisees came to, they really came to probably just see what John was about. John called them generation of vipers. And he told them to bring forth fruits worthy of your repentance. And don't just be saying, you know, or justify themselves by just saying we Abraham seed. So we don't. <clears throat> but he said, bring some repentance along with what you gonna, uh, your declaration, maybe what you're gonna say. And and then he told. And then when other people were asking him, he did tell them, you know, like, you know, the soldiers, hey, you know, don't do violence to other people, and you know. I guess he gave them a direction of some demonstration of fruits of repentance, of showing your new, your willingness to, to have a new way of life. Yeah. I guess that would yeah. be like Eric was saying, David, I mean, the scriptures don't talk about that because it's focuses on the Lord where he might apologize to she might, he might have you know, apologize to Uriah's parents or the family or whomever, brothers and sisters, and gave them, you know, riches or whatever, you know, but I guess the focus is not on that. It's just focus on the more. Yeah. 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 I was looking at the um, complete Jewish Bible, and I know we were saying how David was saying, um, I have sinned in your sight. In the scripture, it reads, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil from your perspective, so that you are right in accusing me and justified in passing sentence. You know, and it's like when we look at it, when we see from God's viewpoint, David was concerned about how God saw him. Mm. And when you get it right with God, you are quick to get right with others. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's good. That's good. Because it's like the 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 priority, the focus is correct. It's in correct order. When I'm looking at God's God's perspective of me, I can align my behavior and produce those fruits of repentance that, that Kevin mentioned. Right. And I'm, I'm and when I looked at that. I'm looking at verse four again. It's like when he says, against you and you alone, I've sinned. Well, think about the the first and the most important commandment. What does he say? Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So whenever I sin against an individual, Am I not sinning against God first? Okay. 
especially when we're talking about other members of the body. Right. When we talk about our brothers and sisters in the face, for sure. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm looking, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at I'm looking at another member of the body. And like, right. and we don't and we and it's just we we don't grasp that. I know it's it's easy to just get caught up in just the flesh and who people are in the natural. But this is why we you know we are to know no man after the flesh. Right. Because that's going because because flesh is going to produce flesh. But if I'm looking at, if I'm looking at you who for who you really are, then that's going to put me in a different position. You know, I'm, I'm going to bring a different energy. When I'm interacting with you. But see, I don't hear that verse a lot. And you said, something, you know, no, no man after the flesh. I mean, and, and to me, that's. That's deep within the cell. If I think that's a really a verse you need to meditate on, because you know I don't hear that. I never really heard that verse a lot. Even coming up, no, no man after the flesh. You know, because that is um, way, and then it's gonna take the Holy Spirit to help you with that. Do that. That's that to me. That's got that's a supernatural thing, because you know. When you see with your physical, you know, it's that's what we tend to um, give in to. But yeah. Mm-hmm. They say we talk, walk after the spirit, it won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Yeah. You walk in the spirit. Yeah, not, that's that's in line with that, but I don't. Um, it's yeah. second, second, let's go to Second Corinthians 5 16. Second Corinthians five. We're gonna start at verse sixteen. All right. I'm reading. I'm reading the uh, King James first, and then the uh, New Living says. Wherefore, henceforth, now we know. We know man, we know man after the flesh. Yea, though we knew Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we we now we know him no more. Now, in the living New Living Translation says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought Christ merely. We thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know Him now. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm gonna go back, read verse fifteen. Okay. All right. No, I'm gonna go back a little further, starting at verse fourteen. All right. And I'm, I'm gonna go back to the King James says. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not not henceforth live unto themselves, 
but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we knew Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we know we him no more. There, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Yeah, I've meditated on those passages of scripture. And like Eric, you know, it, I'm like, okay, what are they talking? You know, what does that mean? And right, yeah. in my meditation, um, you know, I think, we, you know, we've all kind of been fed and growing up a little bit on Andrew Womack's ministry. And I've heard Andrew himself say, if you guys knew everything was to know about me, you wouldn't be so confident in me, my ministry, my prayers, and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And to me, that would be kind of crossing that line, knowing him after the fresh, where, we're, where our knowledge of him is really spiritual, you know. And even amongst this class, you know, I, I've been fed, you know, through everybody's different spiritual gift. I've been fed, whether it's by a teaching or revelation or somebody has said something. And I've really gained from But if I knew everything about all of you, or if somebody was telling me, hey, I know so-and-so, I said, oh, yeah, he, he's a teacher in my class. And they just started running down the list of everything. And then I might be like, hold on. Okay, that's enough. You know, or, you know, or vice versa me, you know, if you knew everything and be like, it might be too much. And then, you know, something uh, Stacey and I have talked about, we might have trouble receiving from one another. Somebody might have trouble receiving from me because it's just too much information, you know. So I think that's kind of that knowing, that knowing no man after the flesh, you know, of course, yeah, because when you cross that line, yeah. it just just too much, mm -hmm. and then it starts to interfere with, you know, spiritually receiving the gift that that supernatural gift because God ain't got no perfect vehicle, you know, vessels to use nope. that supernatural gift that's flowing through that individual, you know, and then whereas Christ. Well, he was perfect in the flesh, and nobody else was before, and nobody else will be after. Right. right. Kevin saying something, because I mean, when he was talking, I'm like, it, it really takes you yield to the Holy Spirit when you live with somebody. Because mm -hmm. you can see it. You see, I can, I mean, with Andrew, it's easy, because we don't live with him. We don't. Yeah. Just we don't even though we talk about, he know we talk about his flaws, that he know he tell you about them. But we don't live with Andrew. We don't. We're not there to see it on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And so when you live with somebody mm -hmm. in close quarters, and then now that scripture really comes in, but no, no man after the flesh. Yeah. Okay, well that's all I see is flesh. Yeah. You know. So, but yeah, I like what Kevin said. But yeah, because you in close proximity, mm -hmm. you really have to practice the scripture because. It's like, okay, yeah. and the scripture comes right after that. It says, any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Okay, even, I'm in close proximity, but I got to see you. You're a new creation. I got to really, you know, right. renew my mind in that area because mm 
I see a lot of your flesh. Woof. Mm-hmm. It ain't good, but mm-hmm. now this 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 brings new light to what Jesus said when he says a prophet isn't without honor except among his own household, amongst his own kindred. Because it's just, you know, it you you got too much explode exposure to the natural. Right. Right. You know, it it's just like Kevin Kevin was talking about. You know, you 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 come up with so and so, and 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 you're like, yeah, the teacher. You know, I I go to such and such Bible study and such and such, and you know, and this is really good. And then like, who's teaching? Is it such and such? You're like such and such. Oh man, I knew him on the, on the from the block. Um, fifteen years ago, man, if you would have known that brother was was hitting this block hard, such and such, such and such, and then just go all into the story about his 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 flesh, right. how you know how he was back in the day, yeah. Yeah. and then it's like, oh my gosh, right. then you know you have to you know digest all that and 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 allow the Holy Spirit to remind you of. 2 Corinthians 5, 16, right? Because you just got his his resume in the flesh, mm-hmm. right? So you did. I was going to say, you know, in this situation, um, what we all been talking about is, is like you have to be very intentional. And it, I, I would say it kind of starts in the home with we were talking about marriage and all. And I know it helped me. I don't always lean on it, but um, it was that Christian pyramid. And, you know, it's almost like in a relationship and the flesh is being seen and living with the flesh, whether it be husband, wife, parents, children, or whatever. And we're in this... um, you know, we're going living by the flesh and you have to kind of stop and say, okay, right now I can't stand you, but because you are not my husband, child, mother, father right now, but you are God's child. You are his child. You're his, you know, and because of that, you know, you can, it can reel you on back. Yeah, so even, you know, somebody and you hear this stuff and you know their heart, but they're human. And it's almost like you have to say, okay, this is God's child. This is his son. And I'm going to go to him for that person. That's good. Yeah. 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 I wish more Christians would do that. It's true. But write a book, Stacy. Write a book. Write it out, girl. Write it down and send it to us because that was good. Yeah. I just need to see la, say la, whatever moment. That mm-hmm. was good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because see, if we if we actually can live with a revelation of, of this verse here, then we can actually walk out the commandment of love that we are charged to walk out. Because you're not looking at everybody from this natural perspective, but you're seeing them from God's perspective. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I'm about to highlight this. So 
Every, you know, could, every time you think about somebody getting on your last nerve, this is this is that verse that need to pop up. You got yeah. we got we got to ask the Holy Spirit to allow that verse to just pop up in our minds. I think it helps. Um, uh, Hebrews eleven, the Hall of Fame, fame um, for the Christian life. That's how God did it. I mean, all the people that He listed in. Um, in Hebrews 11, you go back and look at their stories and it's, it, we see the faults so quickly <clears throat> and yet God um, lifts them up as a, amazing men and women of faith. And I, I think one of the things that, one of the themes that's starting to prick my heart a lot recently is from Adam and Eve on to the revelation, God's heart is about, do we receive Jesus or not? It's not about all the picayune, did we get everything right? Do we tick all of our boxes? And we that's how we tend to judge each other. We, that's how we judge ourselves is by the boxes mm -hmm. to see, you know, who's naughty and nice. But but that's just not God. And it never was. And it was always about one thing. And that was fellowship with him. And he was, you know, I forget which verse it is now that talks about the, the goodness of the Lord that um, he was, he was willing to uh, patiently wait and, and not look at the sins of people until he had fulfilled his complete plan so that in Christ, we were all cleansed. And uh, living that out's a hard job, <laughs> but but that really has helped lift up that um, concept of looking at other people um, and seeing them in the Second Corinthians new new creation side of things. Is realizing that the Lord's not looking at every little detail; He wants to lift us up from all that muck and mess, of course, because He knows we'll be happy there, but. It's what we do with Jesus. It really starts the program. It goes back to that parable of the the son, the way with son that comes back that we just talked about. <clears throat> the representation of that father is just saying, you know what? <laughs> I don't care. You know, I'm just glad you're back home. And that's that love of Christ. And that's that love we try and participate in and be in remembrance. Yeah, that son didn't even. I don't think. Sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, I, I, my computer's really messing up here. Um, no, I was just th I was thinking as I was reading through that, it's not even really clear that the son understood the father very well at all. He did come back repentant to some degree, but he also came back realizing my dad has a good deal going here. And, and I will do better with my dad than I will do with anybody else. And, but he says, you know, I just make me one of your hired servants. That tells me he didn't know the heart of the father because the father was totally on a different page. He didn't even let him say that last part when he made his confession. You know, the father just lavished. Mm. That's good. That's good. Yeah, and really, that's kind of like what our Heavenly Father does us. But through Christ, it's like when we come unworthy, it's like yeah. through Christ, he lets immediately we're all worthy. 
And it's like you get that pass through Christ and then nothing else really matters other than through my son, you good to go. And I think that's what he wants us to, how he wants us to live now. We're the body of Christ. We are brothers and sisters and we have to show his love for one another. You know, not like the world would do it because the world don't know how to love. You know, God is love and he loves through us, you know, and he wants us to be unified in the faith. He wants us to get along (laughs) and love each other like he loves us. That was the same thing I was thinking about. Praying for people is I I don't have to wait to get right to pray. It's something I'm doing. No, I'll do it. Since nobody commenting right now, (laughs) I'll be, you know, being very transparent. I've, you know, I've heard Andrew say some things that really were offensive to me a couple of times and I totally didn't agree with. And I felt they were totally not a word base. And I took a break for a couple of times, you know, then I come back and, you know, and then receive again. But again, applying this scripture right here, I shouldn't be judging him or looking him at, after the flesh, but after the spirit anyway, with the understanding that that supernatural gift of teaching and revelation and knowledge of God and his love is still flowing, it's still there. Mm-hmm. And it don't have nothing to do with it. His imper- imperfected flesh, just like my imperfected flesh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I know growing up when I um when I first got saved, I went to a Pentecostal church, and then the Lord trans uh, trans um referred me to a Assemblies of God, and He had to deprogram me because my concept of His love was so off, you know. And He said, "I have to deprogram you now. I brought you into a place where you can see what my love is about," you know. Because the love that I was shown, it has so many stipulations, so so much, box, so many boxes and crooks and nannies. You know, it's like what God loves, He just loves. Mm-hmm. He just loves. Mm-hmm. He just loves because He is love, pure love. You know, and He just let me know there's nothing evil about me, Kim. There's nothing negative, nothing black, nothing dark about me. I am just love. And when I when I start to walk in that, I can love others. I don't have to take offense. I don't have to be jealous. I don't have to be envious. You know, there's enough of God to go around. You know, there's enough of him to go around. And I don't have to be um, insecure. You know, and those, those are tricks of the enemy. You know, just the lies that he wants to place on to blame God for, you know. And God is like, I don't have nothing to do with that. I want you to be successful, you know? I want you to know that you are truly loved. You know, I heard uh, Dean Braxton say when he came back from heaven, he was talking about his testimony, and he said how God would say, you know, I love you. Now that's old. I love you more than that. Now that's old. I love you more than that. Now that's old. I love you more than that. I mean, we cannot even comprehend God's love for us. You know, and I started saying that, and I could just feel like the fullness of God. It just kept, it just kept getting fuller and fuller in my spirit. You know, it's like He loves me. Mm-hmm. He loves us. Period. That's good. That's good. 
Yeah, I, I got to get some of those phylacteries like the Jewish guys had so I can put that verse in front of my eyes. <laughs> so when I'm watching the news or hearing something, you know, so this, this verse is always in front of my face. You know, so, you know, because it, and because this is this is how, you know, the enemy tries to bring division is to get us to focus on all, on these this fleshy stuff, this natural stuff. You know, you know, this, this person is a, a ultra MAGA person. And then you got a Black Lives Matter person over here. And then you got X, Y, Z person over here. But all I'm saying. All of them put their trust in Jesus. It messes with your mind, you know. It is true, right? Yeah, right. So these 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 natural affiliations are they shouldn't be a place of division. But of course, what the, what is the enemy going to do? He's going to get us to highlight and focus on that stuff. So I can I can look at you and be like, you know what? You ain't no real Christian for real. Because you don't care about you don't care about black people. Or other side, if you're not a card-carrying Republican NRA member, you're not walking in the spirit. Why? All this type of stuff, this is this type of stuff we bickering over. We getting offended by is this natural stuff, these natural kingdoms that we are affiliated with instead of focusing on the kingdom, the right. kingdom of the king, yeah. the kingdom we truly belong to in the spirit. Yeah. yeah. Right. Amen. All right. So this is going to be the verse. This is going to be the verse for the rest of the year for me. Amazing. For real. Yeah. And I highlighted that one on my back. And I like what Andrew, he was saying, like, you know, the word of God is final authority, regardless of how you feel. And I mean, I get whipped a lot of times according to my feelings, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. but God's given us feelings, but they all have its place. You know, and the word of God supersedes all of that. Mm -hmm. I think that's tough. That's that's the thing we got to get to. You know, as she said, you know, you got to. Yeah. You got to let the word of God to govern you versus your, your emotions. And you got to find that balance. You know, so. mm -hmm. and, I, and I'll add to that. You got to let the word of God as interpreted by the Holy Spirit. Right. Be yes, the that's good. Right. Be the God. Because see, mm -hmm. I can use scripture to defend these natural kingdoms that I'm a part of. Right. To attack that's you. Right. That's true. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yep. Very good. Yep. And it goes back to loving God and loving people because focusing on what you just talked about, letting the, the spirit guide mm -hmm. yeah. kind of slaps you back into subjection, like, okay, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. That's right. This person proclaims Christianity, and I have to take them for their word, and regardless of actions. Or what I think, or the you know whatever. Kind of, kind of make it simplistic <laughs> to get through the muck. That's right. That's why I sing that that old children's song. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, grown folks do that. Yeah. Because we educated to be scared. Yeah, you do that. You know, that, that, that thing that you did before. I'm sure you might have that there. You stand by and say, I'll catch you. Mm-hmm. Will you catch me? Are you going to catch me? No, the child's going to like, you can catch me then. Mm-hmm. You better be ready to catch me because they're ready to fall. Fall right? down. They're ready to be in the front of the air. Yeah. They're ready to do whatever. Mm-hmm. They just trust. Yeah. They have no second thoughts. They trust the truth. Mm-hmm. They just trust. They believe it. So no, no man after the flesh. So let let us endeavor to do that as led by the Holy Spirit. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. All right. Very good class. Bye-bye.